Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Caught Offside with Andrew Gundling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught Offside. Just outside of New York City from an apartment in Brooklyn, New York, Andrew Gundling. And J.J. Devaney, the first pod of 2024. What's up, brother? Oh, new year, new me. Ugh. God. Jesus Christ. It's <laughs> New Year's Day. It was a Monday. What happened was the clock turned. You're not a new person. And you're not, you're not, you're going to, you're not even going to try. Okay. And this is for everyone. Oh, everyone. I, I'm going to, a, a mutual friend of ours who I won't mention, who I, I like a lot. Hmm. Uh, Instagrammed. Uh, I can't wait to continue my growth from from 2020. Oh, I can't even finish it from 2023 in this new year. You're cool. Who, who do uh, you know that would have done that? Ugh. Interesting. I don't. I'm lo- not on Instagram. I don't know these things. A, lo- a lovely person. A, a a person I really like. A sardonic witted female. Uh, a, a a great like she, always fun. It's that whole sentiment, that whole thing. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I can't. I can't. It just it infuriates me so much. Well, I've known you for such a long time. I never knew this about you that you hated the idea of people evaluating their lives <laughs> at the new year. I'm all for introspection, but the intro is the part of it. Looking inward. What it means now is I've looked inward, and now I must tell you how great I am. For looking inward. Yeah. Now I, I'm not. I'm not accusing this person. And it was more the phraseology she used. But but I I like introspection and 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 thoughtfulness and and uh, thinking about oneself. Surely part of that is not blasting it across social media to let everyone else know. Surely that's part of it. Uh. So. I, you and I are of a similar mind on things like this. However, I would tell you that 
in a social media existence, this is part of it. Yeah, absolutely. And it I'm just naive. is. You have to you have to understand that. And if, and if it's if it's nauseating to you, which I I do, I can see that. Uh, then you have to steer clear, especially this time of year. Oh, so. I, I, you know, and I, I, I'm, I know I'm firmly a uh, man yelling at a cloud here. And I, and I am myself, I am far too online. The last decade I have been way too online. And now I justify some of it for the show because I like picking up stuff and diff- sure. different, different opinions and different angles and like articles even. Um, But, but I should know this. Like I, you can be proud of yourself and just, you know, Keep it to yourself. <laughs> this is JJ's way of telling everyone he is, he's not happy with the man he is and he doesn't want to hear about your successes. No. Uh, um, this is, this is JJ. So, so, this oh, is like this a, is a single, a single person on Valentine's day. This is that, that's JJ right now. No, this is, this is a perfect moment. Uh, and I get proud and I get smug and I get happy and self-satisfied. I get, I'm like, it's human nature to do such things. Hmm. But yesterday, I'm watching Liverpool Newcastle, which we will get to. I promise we will get to that. Mm-hmm. And I'm uh, I'm a bit late getting down there to the Munro, and it's packed. By you, absolutely packed with people who are they're dying of hangovers, definitely from the night before New Year's uh, New Year's Day game uh, and the celebrations before that. But I, I'm standing in that in the doorway because I can't get into my usual spot, and it's fine. I can see the TVs; it's good. The door opens. A uh, guy comes in, lovely fella, and he go, uh, and I just say to him, "How's it going?" And he points at me and he goes, oh, "You're JJ from Caught Offside," and I'm like, "What? Yeah, straight away." And 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 anyway, long story short, lovely fella, we chat for a little bit, but as he's about to to go, or to, um, he 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 tells me the three things he loves about the podcast, and this simultaneously fills me with joy to hear that people enjoy the podcast. And a thought about the podcast, and and he that he could even summon so quickly the three things he loves about it, and we, he, he had a whole PowerPoint ready. He, had, he was he, he was very articulate, like it was he had this ready to go, um, and simultaneously I love it, and I'm thankful and I'm grateful to have listeners like him, Jeremy. I'll give him a shout out. He's a neighbor of mine as well. He, as it as it turns out, and uh, and and the other side to me, which is I I think the Irish side. I'm on fire. I, I literally want to self-immolate. I cannot process compliments about myself. I am unable to it to, to, to do so. And it's not about me not liking other people's successes. It's about it's basically about me being uh, uncomfortable with my own or, 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 or happiness. Or I don't know how I turned out like this. I don't know. But um, so he's telling me these things. And one part of my brain is, hey, you did good, man. That's really, really good. You're, it's amazing. Well done to you. And the other half of my brain is, God, oh, kill him. Ah, I can't. Oh, somebody quickly call me a piece of shit. Call me a piece of shit and tell me I'm scum. Tell me I'm scum right now. In this instance, I, I can commiserate with a lot of that because I'm eerily similar to you. However, in this instance, I don't believe you. I think that you're the high that you were on from what no. he was saying to you I have friends. Any other I, had, conflicting I, I, I have friends I can give you their numbers Francie my friend was was stood beside me and and Vanessa was stood in front of me and straight after he left uh, uh, after Jeremy left they were like um, they, they were just like you, you, you can't handle that can you and I'm like no. see I think you were walking around the bar like you were 10 feet tall after ah. that 
Um, <laughs> before we get into the start of the pod and the the effort, the the previously mentioned uh, Liverpool Newcastle match that you're talking about, just want to remind everybody to go vote. Um, I I, I got to retweet the link. But the uh, like we mentioned a few days ago, we've been named as a finalist for the Sports Podcast Group's Best Football Podcast Award. And when you see the other pods nominated, Jesus. you will think, "Yeah, we." If I'm a, if I'm a fan of Caught Offside, I got to get my vote out there because it's 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 some of the Giants and then us. So if you are uh, if you're a fan of this pod and you're proud of its kind of underdog grassroots nature, and you want to see how we can do against some of the less underdoggy podcasts out there, yeah. go vote, please. Uh, it's the Sports Podcast Group. Uh, in the category of best football podcast. I think voting is open until January 28th. So uh, go vote. Tell your friends Lots to of vote. Time. Yep. Lots of time, guys. Got, got about a month. So, yeah, get after it, everybody. Uh, just another reminder, this Thursday, we're going to be doing a special New Year mailbag pod, uh, 24 questions for the year 2024. So reach out to us uh, through any form of social media, or I know the Reddit page already has a thread going where they've got a bunch they of they've got yeah. a bunch of the animals are on it. They got a bunch of questions rolling in. Uh so that'll be a fun one. We haven't done I, I don't know. It's been a little bit since we've done like a full mailbag pod. Felt like the start of the new year was a good time to do it. So all your questions for the upcoming year in soccer, get them in there and we're gonna answer. I guess we'll pick out 24 of them and uh and we'll go with those. And then we're into January now, JJ. So the pre-sale of caught offside first edition t-shirts is over with. And now we are just in full on sale mode. Well, hang on one. Hang on. Back up there. Yes. Yes, we will be. I have to make a couple of tweaks to the website. Things that I noticed in our first sale that will make my life so much easier and everybody else's life. And I have to set up a few zones so we can sell to, um, so we can make sure our Canadian, Australia, uh, Australian, Icelandic, Norwegian, all those oh. people can get T-shirts. So I just have a few tweaks to make. So early next week. Oh, we can, what? What? We can go absolutely nuts. Dude, dude, listen. Next week. Listen, yeah. listen, listen. You calm yourself. I run this show. Okay. You can't go announcing anything when it comes to this. All right. This That's all fine and good. You but go I, how, was I, how was I not alerted? Uh, well, early next week is like like Monday. You know, today is Tuesday. Now, even a few people days were promised week. January. I, oh, relax. I apologize, everyone. Yeah, relax. I, relax. I, it, it, it'll still be January on Monday, friend. So, yeah, no, I'm excited to do that. And uh, uh, I, I am also very concerned about people who uh, live in less. I mean, New York right now is kind of a, I wouldn't say bammy, but it's certainly a manageable. It's winter. freezing today. It is cold today, but it isn't. Dude, have you been to St. Paul lately? Do you even care? Yeah, just a week ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. I will say the coldest I've ever been in my entire life was in Minneapolis. Yeah, in February of 2018. So I stepped outside the Mall of America and my eyelids froze essentially, like like the liquid that keeps your eyes like (laughs) lubricated. It froze up. It was really unbelievable. (laughs) You went wrong. It's the coldest I've ever been, and I spent four years in Syracuse. Oh, I love the fact that you spent a day you couldn't close your eyes. (laughs) They're frozen open. (laughs) It was amazing. I don't know how people live there. Yeah, and you got to think of our Canadian cousins up there as well. So, like, I will. I I really want to to um to try and get some hats to them. Oh, I I would love one. Oh my god, I'm a big winter hat guy. I wear them inside sometimes. I'm one of those kind of d bags. You you are a d bag, all right. And, And by the way. Uh, before we get into the last... Oh, come on. We're 10 minutes in, JJ. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Uh, it's the new year. The, I do want to address something uh, that came that came up uh, on the Reddit page uh, about me. 
and uh, certain. Can biases. it wait till the start of the second half? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's going to wait till after the break. A hundred percent. I just want to tease that I I need to explain a few things because I I've been I've been cast as a coastal elite, Andrew, and you know I I I'm not that. I think they've nailed it. I think they've absolutely nailed it. <laughs> uh, all right, let's get into the game that JJ stood at the doorway of the Monroe to watch, and that's Liverpool kicking off the new year with a pretty exciting. 4-2 win over Newcastle that sends them three points clear atop the table to begin 2024. Uh, there's a lot to get to in this, but I think the overriding theme from this game, despite the scoreline, was utter dominance. I saw this posted from Opta Joe uh, with an expected goals figure of 7.27 this evening. Liverpool recorded the highest XG total on record since 2010-2011 in a single Premier League game. Yeah, JJ, if you use... So how ready for this? This is this is unbelievable. If you use XG differential, so Liverpool's XG compared to Newcastle's XG, if you use that as, as a gauge for measuring how dominant one team was over the other, then listen to this from 538. They write only three only three games in 538's match database of over 36,000 matches were more one-sided than this one. The XG dif- uh, differential was 6.68 in Liverpool's favor, so plus 6.68 for them. Here are the only three that were higher than that. Okay. Barcelona's 4-0 win over Deportivo La Coruña in 2017. Manchester City's 8-0 win over Watford back in 2019, and Ajax's 13-0 win over VVV Venlo in 2020. And then this one for Liverpool over Newcastle. The scoreline doesn't do it justice. Props to Newcastle for being utterly dominated, but still being in that game somehow near the end until the final penalty. This was, I mean, if you're Klopp, I know they only won by two and they conceded a couple, but you know, for whatever shakiness there had been, you're top of the table and you just put in a performance that yielded a 7.27 XG. You got to be flying right now. Yes. Yes, you do. Um, But if you talk to me when I saw uh, Isaac's brilliant finish, mm-hmm. absolutely brilliant, brilliant finish uh, to make it 1-1. And, I, and you told me, well, at the end of the game, these records will be set and the game will be seen in the context of utter dominance. I would say I'll take the dominance. But the records, the I wouldn't have felt that way. I felt like utterly deflated when that went in, and I worried. Oh God, this is going to peter out into a one-one draw where we just we we're just slinging balls into the box. We're 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 pummeling them, but we don't we don't get um, what we need to get the three points. Yeah, it was. Um, I was listening to the Anfield rap this morning, uh, and I watched Neil Atkinson on the post-match pint. And he was shouting. Uh, he did a great rant. It's, it, it is very, very good, even if I don't feel it. But he was going about on about a, a statement performance. Um, I don't think that was a statement performance, even though Liverpool did what they did. Why I not? Think, um, uh, I, 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 think, I think the fact that... I think the fact that the game was in the balance for as long as it was... Um, and the and the fact that Liverpool were by the metrics we're seeing prolific it worries me, and it worries me also that the main character in this story, the creative fulcrum and the scoring fulcrum, will now be gone away for a month. That that all that together means I come out of this 
thinking, yes, the league is right there for us. Mm-hmm. You can't feel any other way. But also, oh, God, there's a chance that things could slip in a month. And then why does he persist with Darwin Nunez when the fluidity of Jota, Lucho, and Salah, and even, you know, Gakbo's introduction, there's more there than there is when he starts Nunez. Um, oh, these are all the thoughts in my brain right now. Okay, let's pull on the Salah thread, because I actually do think that's a, a huge deal here. So he scores his 150th and 151st Premier League goals in this game. Um, incredible achievement. Should have had 152. Should have had a hat-trick in this one. He missed a penalty. Um in the first half that would have put Liverpool ahead. And, and can I get, can I give Martin Dubravka credit for, for just, just whatever, whatever inkling or, uh, or feeling he had, just stay up. He's going to blast it down the middle, just stay up. And he did. And he saved it because he could look like a fool if he rolls it left or right of him, but he doesn't. And, uh, and fair play to Dubravka for that. Yeah. And maybe Liverpool still should have scored. I mean, Trent, had the ball come to him with no defender really around. I know he's got to measure that one, hit it right, and he, he just doesn't. Yeah, um, the, the bounce was was, yeah. was a little bit high. He slices it, but yeah. But but so the point remains, though, Salah was, I mean, he was his most Salah best in this game, even with a missed penalty. Uh, scored two goals, had an assist, had a hockey assist for the other one as he kind of started the move that led to, uh, was it Gakpo's goal? I'm trying to remember. Yeah. 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 So, um, so, so Dave, Dave Tickner on Football 365. All the goals were either finished or created by Salah. Found himself yeah. down the middle to score the first. Set Jota clear to square for Curtis Jones to score the second. That assisted one, yeah. the third. Assisted the third. The outside of the boot pass for Gagpo, um, was, it was like, what's what's the best piece of art you can think of? This is the wrong pod for that. We, yeah, we have definitely. some well documented okay, art okay, failures. Let me, yeah, <laughs> Michael. Imagine Michelangelo's David, right? Imagine that. Everything's perfect. And the last thing he does is he gives um, Michelangelo's David a beer belly, a gut. That's that's what this goal was because it was so perfect. That cross was so beautiful. And Gakpo's finish was like, wah, wah, that it just falls apart. The aesthetics of it are not, didn't live up to the assist. No, no, they didn't. But, but, uh, but, but the point so remains, Salah so was ridiculous in this game. Uh, and and he's he's everything. I mean, he's so important to them. And now he's gone for it's not entirely clear. Uh, could be the full month. I guess we'll see as he goes off to the uh, Africa Cup of Nations. He's got 14 goals, eight assists this season. Uh, and so now, you know, it's a, it's a part of the field where you feel like, OK, in theory, with with the resources that they've spent, Nunez, Diaz, Jota, Gakpo, you know, in theory, they should be okay here. But do you feel that way? Because I don't no. know. I don't know that you should. I I don't feel that way. Um. What I will say this: they're a better team when when Diaz plays. They're a better team when Jota plays. They those are guys who are are quick, nimble. They're slick. They can they can beat someone, and that opens things up. And and Nunes, I for all his attributes, and he has so many his pace. He he's he, you know his ability often to flick things around the corner like he he, he can give you something, uh, and I hate I'm I'm going to retire the whole age into chaos thing, but he he gives defenses problems. He definitely does, but 
he is just so not. I have no faith when he's one on one. I don't. I have no faith when there's a big chance. That's a problem. And again, it goes back to what I how I've been conditioned. I've been conditioned by a front three that was the epitome of slick, the epitome of efficient. And now we've got this new thing that's molding together and it's not quite there. But what is quite there is the remaining part of the last great Liverpool attack. And now he's going away for a month. Mm. So, of course, I have this sense of trepidation that this thing will slip away because it's right there. Now, there's other teams that can feel exactly the same way with how tight the top of that league is. Definitely. But you would say Liverpool are in the best position of everyone outside of Manchester City to take advantage of what's happening right now and win the league. And away goes the key component of, of their of their strike force. So that's why I'm I'm not where Neil Atkinson is. That's where I'm not where a lot of Liverpool fans are this morning. I, and maybe it's just me worried. It's just total worry that, that a supporter has. You're either there's two types of football supporter. There's the one who's guy who's always worried, or the guy who is just relentlessly optimistic to a fault. Um and I guess I fall in the in the former category. Yeah, I, I will say one thing on on Darwin Nunez's behalf as I was watching this. Um, you know, sometimes one of the problems we have with him is like there's an erraticness to his finishing yeah. where it doesn't feel very reliable. And because of the position he plays, I, I sometimes feel like he feels this pressure where when he's around goal, he's just got to go for it. I, th- I felt like I saw something a little bit different from him in this game, a little bit more playmaker as, a, as opposed to just like I'm near goal. I've got to fire one on, you know. The assist that he had for one the one goal, I feel like past versions of Darwin Nunez, even from that angle, would have just tried to go himself on that. And even in the first half in the disallowed goal, he's kind of he's kind of central to goal. And I know he's got a defender on him, but again, it's a shot that I feel like I've seen him take and fully expected him to take. And in this one, he instead decides to smartly lay it off to Luis Diaz, who scored. Now it all got yeah. brought back because Nunez was marginally offside. But just the decision-making to not always feel like, okay, I'm a striker and I'm near goal and I cost this amount, so I've got to score goals at all yeah. costs. Like, I feel like maybe there's a, a little bit of a mentality shift, which I would feel good about. Yeah, you. and I, I think I'm super critical of him. I'm hypercritical, and I'm probably being unfair a lot of the time. But I'm I'm just so wound up that... Um... You've planted your flag. And it's not to say that you can't change it as what you see in front of you changes, but you have you have firmly planted a flag in the I'm skeptical I'm skeptical of this guy camp. Well, like I see I see a player that running in on goal. I mean the savy force from Dubravka is a vo- it's a volley because the ball's hopping up. He I, I'm more comfortable with him racing through a goal and the and the ball bouncing and he's gonna smash it. I, then he then when it's on the ground in front of him and he's one v one versus the goalkeeper he I I'm sure I have seen a player like him before but I I can't I can't quite remember or can't re- recall someone with his qualities his various qualities and I I I kind of feel like an impact substitute role is probably his best and but again. We're looking at Jota, who's come back from a serious injury. We're looking at Diaz, who's had his own injury woes, and you're trying to rotate that and keep it fresh. And that becomes very hard. Nunes now will prove his value over the next month. Because, uh, yeah. Because he's going he's going to play more often than not um, centrally or, you know, with with, with Jota and, and Diaz. Um 
it's a huge month for him and his Liverpool career. It's now we, absolutely we, massive. We should say while we're talking about this, we should mention what the fixtures are that Liverpool have. Um, if you're if you're big into Liverpool securing a trophy this year of some sort or double or whatever, then it's an important month. If you're singularly focused on the league or the Champions League, then maybe you're yeah. okay here. Um, they've got an FA Cup match, third round match against Arsenal. What a way to to introduce both of those clubs to the FA Cup this season. That's this Sunday. Then a midweek Carabao Cup first leg fixture against Fulham. Um, then on Sunday, they have Bournemouth. I believe there's is there an international break in between there? I can't remember now. Um, but the yeah, so Arsenal in the FA Cup, Fulham in Carabao Cup, Bournemouth in the league, then the second leg against Fulham in the Carabao Cup, and then they close out the month against Chelsea in the Premier League. And we'll see when Salah returns based on how far Egypt go. So is that is that like a devastating month of action that he's going to be missing like if they had arsenal in the league and city in the league i would say oh boy these are this is just the worst possible time for him to be missing action can they get by in the carabao cup two legs against fulham without him i think so they should be able to still advance to the final um you know are they going to crash out early in the fa cup well that that could be a, a tricky one having to face arsenal in that stage without Salah. so we'll see i think that they can weather this i, th- I do I think, there's enough I think- there uh, okay, I think Bournemouth away is a massive game, absolutely massive game, um, and a, and a tricky one too. Yeah, again, I am I'm probably opportunity is knocking right now for Liverpool. I think, and and I just I kind of like, I, I, and you're and you're hoping Salah comes back without an injury or without fatigue. We've well, I'm him, assuming that. I mean, yeah, yeah, you have to I'm, assume I'm, that. And we've seen him come back from from Afcon before, not in the best shape. It's true. So. Um, yeah. yeah, just to a variable I didn't want thrown into the mix, um, and a variable by the way that a lot of teams are dealing with. It's just he happens to be, you know, sure. coming off a, a superstar performance, and we know what he means to that club. Um, one other note on this one: the fourth goal, the penalty. Yeah, um, Jota going down there. So Rafa Honigstein tweeted this. Um, he says Dubrovka catches Jota's ankle. Dubrovka yes. admits to catching Jota's ankle. Only Jota knows whether he was genuinely unbalanced or somehow why happier to go down in front of an empty net. But either way, it's in all caps, not a dive. And VAR was 100% right to not intervene. The end. Correct. Absolutely correct. No problem with it. Uh, by the way, what Dubrovka said was, my arms are not trying to catch him. I don't have to agree, but at the end of the day, it was a penalty. Where he's basically saying, I wasn't trying to catch him, but I did catch him. And and uh, and it's a penalty. And I, I think I think Jota does go over. First of all, there's no amount of slow motion. Uh, because I think there's another tweet from Rafa. There's no amount of slow motion that can really help you in this. He's moving at 30 miles an hour. He's absolutely sprinting. So you 30 talk- miles an hour? Who, who is he? Usain Bolt? He's Come flying. On. Absolutely flying. And uh, and and he goes over. I I think he's probably felt that he, he may have overran it a tiny bit, and it's not a, it's not a complete fait accompli that he's going to slide that home. So he goes over, but um, that that's it. So what's what's the problem though? Well, that's, fa- but that's he, it though. But but has he been fouled? Yeah, he has. So the more I watch it, the more annoyed I get by it. Oh my God! Are you serious? The more I watch it, the more I I, I roll my eyes I, at it. Because you're I right, can't. he he does everything right, but it's this idea of like he takes another full step, almost two steps after it happens. 
And then he goes, and then he chooses to slide. I don't know why. Maybe in his, maybe there's just some synapse in these guys' brains where they're so they're so single-minded on drawing penalties that even with an empty net behind him, he thinks I our chances of scoring are better from the spot than me trying to slot this one home. I don't know. But the more I watch it, I just thought, are you serious? Stay on your feet and score the goal. Now, he didn't do anything wrong. I'm not mad at him necessarily because a, a lot of guys would have done the same thing. But I don't know. There's just part watches over and over uh, again. Just thinking, stay on your damn feet. Like, no. you didn't need to go down there. If this happened in, in another part of the pitch, you stay on your feet and you keep dribbling. Like, you, no, of course. he knows what the reward is. The yeah. reward is so great that he's going down there. He didn't right. need to, and but I, he chose to, yeah, and, and he I, was rewarded. I think he's fouled, but he also knows that that ball has gone that little bit too far, and it's not going to be that maybe that easy of a finish. So he chose but, to slide. Right, but um, I think it was... But that's the point, though. He he chose to do it. He wasn't forced to. Well, hang on. I think it. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's a few years ago. But you. But so. So hang on. He he stays standing. Right. He Mm -hmm. doesn't get to the ball. The referee shouldn't bring it back for a penalty. Then. No, but this is this is why. No, no, no. no, no. That's why I'm not mad at him. It's why I'm just generally annoyed by it. Right. It's like he because it just comes down to the fact that he had an empty net and he chose to slide because he wasn't totally sure that he could score. I think it was West Ham at Arsenal. I want to say 15-16, but I can't be sure. It's so far back. But it sticks out in my mind. Matt Jarvis. Matt Jarvis is running in on uh, across the goal in the penalty box, and he's fouled, like clearly hacked. And he stumbles, but he elects to stay on his feet. And the referee doesn't give him the penalty. And I remember the podcast clearly. Both of us are, you got to go down. What are you doing? Uh, what yeah, are I, you doing? I'm not mad at him. If if it's your guy, if that's son, I probably would want him to go down because I want the penalty. It's just something about seeing an empty net and a guy taking a full step and then sliding. I'm just like, oh, it's just an eye roll moment. Yeah, I know why they do it. The reward is so great. I get it. But like empty. I can't can't think of a scenario in which if that happened from an opposition standpoint, like a non-Liverpool player where I would be up in arms about this thing the way some people are. Uh, I, I don't get it. I don't get And especially the pumping, the absolute pumping that Newcastle took in this game. Uh, to be to be arguing over these things, I... Well, that's so, irrelevant, though. That it's has nothing so, to do with it. It's so petty. Eddie Howe contradicting Dubravka as well. <laughs> well, I don't agree with Martin. <laughs> oh, don't you? Jesus Christ. Were, were you the one diving at his feet? Just, I... I, I Oh, it's 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 so tedious. That game was a lot miles of fun. An hour. Rafa Rafa tweeted that, not me. Uh, maybe thirty, 30... miles. An oh, hour. he wouldn't have said miles an hour. He would have said kilometers. An hour. And I don't know what that is. Yeah, I have to look the conversion rate there because thirty miles an hour would be like, hey, I'm driving down a street here. Oh, and there's a man passing me. He's run by me. Well, 30 like, miles an hour get you done in a school zone, wouldn't it? That's too, that, 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 If he ran through a school zone, he could be pulled over. We're uh, going double the, the speed limit. Rafa right. <laughs> tweeted, for the, for the contact was minimal crowd. Try having your foot touched minimally while running past someone at 30 miles per hour. Uh, <laughs> all right. And then he goes, and then he goes, meant kilometers per hour. Apologies. Oh, got, all right, he got jumped on. All right, okay. What this is? There's other things to talk about. What, what do we make of this new trend of managers? Maybe it's not a new trend, but I saw Deserby doing the same thing uh, for Brighton. This refusal to watch my player take a penalty. I, I, I think Klopp. I, I read. I have the, a lot of thoughts on Klopp. I bet you do. You really hate that. Guy. I've had it with him. 
you everything it's to the it's unfortunate because he's so great and i could see how a liverpool fan would just like bow at the altar of klopp but like it's just too many things he's maybe it's he's just been around too long and because of my association with you i've just been overexposed to liverpool and klopp and and the culture and all that and like it's unfortunate because I can't enjoy him anymore. He's now crossed that. You know how sometimes, JJ, there's yeah. a person in your life where, like, they don't really do anything wrong, but every single thing they do now just annoys you. You can't get away from it. I, that's where I'm at with him. Everything I see him, when when they pan to him and he's smiling after, like, a call or something, like, oh, that smug smile. Like, there's no face he can make that won't bother me. That's just where I'm at with him. Yeah, he's it's too ju- bad. He's- I can't. I should be able to appreciate him. He's a legend, but I, I can't. I can't. He's 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 literally in terms of 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 his charisma, personality, and his smile. He's he's Fonzie jumping the shark. That's what's happened here for you. It's it's gone too far now. He's crossed the threshold. Um, we can never be friends. I I read I read this on the rundown. I have zero thoughts on it because the one of the, I I just don't have an opinion on it. By the way, I was I was kind of annoyed by Deserby too. This was even before I saw Klopp doing it. And you even love when... you love Deserby. You f- oh my god! He what did you proclaim him? Do as, I? As, no, no, no! I the just Premier said, League's new house, wasn't it? The, like, like the that. next big personality. I don't know oh, that, that oh, necessarily that? means I'm going to love him. Oh, I th- oh okay, all right, fair enough. After he, yeah, no, I, mean... I, I um, so one of my formative games, like the one of the first games I remember ever watching, um, and being genuinely nervous was Ireland versus Romania in the World Cup quarterfinal in penalties. And Jack Charlton didn't watch the penalties. He, he looked the other way. Let me ask you a question. So this is going back a ways, but in the, ni- in the 93 World Series, the Phillies and the Blue Jays, uh, Kurt Schilling was pitching for the Phillies. And I, remember, and I remember him being roundly criticized because in the ninth inning, Mitch Williams was the Phillies' closer and he was not reliable. He was called wild thing for a reason. Um, and Kurt Schilling couldn't watch. And so he had a towel over his head and he was ripped for it. Have some faith in your, you know, even if you're worried, have some faith in your teammate. How is this different? Um, yeah, it's good. It's a, it's a good question. I guess, I guess like when, when Deserby and Klopp are doing it, I feel like it's cute. It's funny. Everyone lo- is loving it that they're doing it. This is so fun. They're just like, but I remember, I remember Schilling getting ripped for doing that because it was showing like a like you didn't believe in your teammate by the I, way he I, was in the end he was proven right when mitch williams gave up a world series ending home run. <laughs> but, but, but but i guess i guess is i would say that the difference is pitching i think oh god is pitching less of a lottery than 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 taking a penalty i feel like it is yeah i think pitching I think is, con- is more yeah, it's more of a skill, I think, than than the lottery of of a penalty shoot. Yeah, out. yeah, yeah. I think so. Okay, maybe that's why it's different. Okay. By the by the that's way, fair. Kurt... By the way, that's a genuine question. I'm not saying one answer or another. I'm I'm genuinely asking. By the way, Kurt Schilling then made his name uh, in baseball as as the guy that that coined the phrase "Why not us." He was the one that did that, right? Remember what, with, with the Red Sox? Well, yeah, with the comeback. Have you watched? Yeah, yeah. The AL, the AL, uh, CS in 04. Yeah. Yeah. He was the one that said when they were three, what, three nil down? Mm -hmm. And he was the one that that started saying, why not us? Why, why can't it be us to come to make the comeback? Was that him or was that Kevin Millar? Well, either way, Schilling was central to it. So, yeah. 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 Maybe you might be right. I mean, anyway, I mean, we've all, we've all wanted to put a towel over our heads in the, in the intervening years watching Kurt Schilling's career. I mean, (laughs) As he's turned into like 
far right fascist agitator. I mean, that's a lot going on there. Yeah, a lot going on there. Um, um yeah, all right. No, fair enough. Uh I don't have any more on this one, JJ. I'm ready to move on. Yeah, um, let, let, let's let's move on. And let's, uh let's take the towel off and move somewhere else. Yeah, let's move on to the one of the clubs that are chasing Liverpool and, and it's not going well right now. Mikel Arteta calling Arsenal's 2-1 defeat to Fulham their worst performance of the season. I mean, they were garbage. It raises a lot of questions. Huge amount of questions. Uh, Someone pointed out to me, they're doing what they did last spring much, much earlier now. That's what it feels like. So they they go 1-0 up. uh, Nice goal on the break. Again, Saka's finish. You can say what you wanted. Bounced into the net, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But then... Was it West Ham when they drew uh, last spring where they, for the first 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes, they were like, you couldn't get near them. They were brilliant. And then they stopped. Um, They stopped playing after they scored this goal. Fulham looked class. Fulham looked, if, if you were to take an alien uh, from, from outer space, obviously, and you were, you were to say, uh, you know, which team here is, is, is pushing for a championship. You'd you'd probably say, "Ooh, that team in white." I genuinely enjoy watching Fulham. They're not going to win every game. They're going to get pasted in a few of these, and well, that's happened. Was, but how good was that equalizer? It was a, a super goal. Yeah. Absolutely oh yeah. And him and and I think Raul Jimenez. I guess the greatest compliment that I could pay to him is that he made that look a lot easier than I yes. think what that actually is. Yes, because that was it. Robinson with the assist. Um, Oh no, that was a previous chance, and um, that but it popped up, so yeah. it's it, you know you can you can as we've seen you can make a fool of yourself. And there's an Arsenal defender sliding in front of it, so he's got to try to in the in the moment judge whether or not that ball is going to get nicked. He stays. You can see, you can watch his face on the replay. He stays so focused on the ball, and he hits it exactly right. It, it was a really nice one. And then look, there the go ahead goal from De Cordova Reed. Um, Bit of a lucky bounce. That stuff happens. He was there to pounce on it. Gabriel's clearance kind of went all wrong and, and Fulham pounced. And so that's those are the opportunities you have to take advantage of that Arsenal aren't right now. It's a, I don't know. I have this weird thing with Arsenal where I, I'm not, because I do from a neutral perspective. You genuinely like this team. I, I like watching them play. Like I yeah. do think, again, this is a, all my Tottenham fans that want to kill me right now for saying that. I have to be neutral on this podcast. I just have to. It's not a Tottenham show. So from that perspective, I enjoy watching Arsenal play. I do think that the build-up play is all there. Even Arteta in this one saying that it was their worst performance of the season. I get why he might be feeling that way. But going back and kind of re-watching the highlights again, there are chances. Like they still are generating opportunities. I don't know. This is this is going to sound so dumbed down, but I really like what I said the other day. I I feel that way even more today. Where like if you replaced Arsenal striker, I guess Gabriel Jesus, with any of the strikers from around them in the league, Watkins, Holland, Son, take your pick, Salah. I don't know. Maybe Isak. Maybe yes. Yeah, maybe. Um, Ivan Tony. Like I, I think it would. Honestly, Ivan Tony in January. Maybe even Solanke. It, it, it might solve their problems. Like I, I think everything is there. So I saw this from um, Aaron Lerner. He's got a, a at the Short Fuse, which is an Arsenal blog, and it's really good. Um, and he writes in it while playing the first 
third, sixth, and eighth teams in the table in December. Arsenal's attack is trending in the right direction in every category that isn't actual goals scored. In the past month, the Gunners have managed four of their six best non-penalty expected goals performances of the season. They're up to seventh in the Premier League in overall non-penalty XG and second in the Premier League in open play chances created from passes. Like, they're still, it paints this picture that in attack, they're doing everything right except the most important part, which is finishing and scoring goals. And so I, I, like, in this game, you know, Arteta said the right things afterwards, but let's call it what it is. They sat Gabriel Jesus and replaced him with Eddie Nketiah. Now, Arteta said afterwards that this is just a rest thing. They only played, it was only three days and they needed to rotate. But are you going to tell me right now, with the way things are going and Arsenal's lack of finishing, that if Nketiah didn't have a big game, if he didn't score a goal, two goals, that they wouldn't go back to him again? They're looking for options right now. And so I really think that if in January they do some piece of business where they can where they do bring in an Ivan Tony or Dominic Solanke, I don't know if those guys I don't know if that's like enough to to fix all the problems if they're quite at that level, but I do think it's an improvement and I I really think like Arsenal defending they're still really I think only Liverpool have conceded fewer goals this season. I think everything is is generally okay except the most important part which is scoring and it if that's just a single person that fixes that, I think they could still be really good. I don't feel that way. I know you're reading out stats. I don't feel that way about the performance. I, 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 I genuinely thought it was, it was like just really, really tired looking. Um, I thought they didn't move the ball quickly. And then I, I read uh, Aris Blog's match report, and he says, if I want to see men using their sport ball very, very slowly, I will go and become a fan of lawn bowls. Touch, touch, slow pass, touch, touch, slow pass. See an opportunity for a quick pass, ignore it. Touch, touch, slow pass, slow pass. See an opportunity for a quick pass, ignore it. It's like some kind of malaise. I genuinely think watching them now, um, it they they look they look jaded. Somehow this team is jaded. Um now I don't disagree with you that having a, a forward, a dynamic forward, could uh, revitalize this, re-energize this. But they were so far off it against Fulham. They they reminded me of an Arsenal defeat that would have happened in early Arteta or the end of the Wenger era. That's what it looked like. You know, let's keep the ball. Let's be good in possession. Um, Odegaard is trending back into form, but he, I think they were, in terms of like carving teams open, they look like they, they rely on him far too much. Saka looks tired. Saka looks really, really tired. It was right at the end of the game when they were searching for the equalizer and Saka is kind of down the right, comes back and puts a cross in. You know, one of those where you're trying to put it between the last defender and the goalkeeper. And it was so weak and lacked any kind of, you know, zip or vim. And and Leno just falls on it easily. Um, they, they If this season isn't to slip away from them, they have to act in January. And and it might even be too late. It, it might be too late. Although it's just god darn tight up there. Yeah, it is. I, I take that back. It's it, it's not. With Salah going away for a month, yeah, who knows? Who knows? No one is that perfect this season. We've said that uh, repeatedly. But I, I don't know. So 
you know, they had 30 shots against West Ham. Seven, th- that stat, 77 touches in the box without scoring. No one does that. That doesn't happen. Yeah, but, but, like, yeah, but you look, there's you still, look back there's the still th- a lot right there. Ah, you look back at that West Ham game, though, Andrew. Like, a lot of them, they did not make, they did not trouble. Who was in goal for West Ham? Was it Fabianski, whoever it was? They, I, I just don't feel like there was, oh, my God, look at the slew of chances there. They seem much more, um, it seems much harder for them to create chances. And again, going back to what Arsblog said, if you're moving the ball that slowly, if your speed of play is that kind of um, turgid, then it's, it's, it's going to be like that. So now uh, stats stats don't matter to you. That's not, well, So when, when you want to tell me that Eddie Nketiah is the worst I, thing you've ever seen, you've got an encyclopedia of statistics. But when never, I'm telling you that their non-penalty XG is, is as good as it's been in, in a long time, it's, oh, you and your stats. I never said, oh, you and your stats. I said they don't matter. I said about what I've seen or what it feels like to watch. Now, you could say, facts don't care about your feelings. And that's fine, too. Let's just, Let's just say... Watching them, it's very and watching them. If you watching an hour and a half of Arsenal and then Andrew coming up and telling you about these excellent stats, that there is a there is a serious um what would you ash between uh, and I'm not I'm not invalidating your stats at all. In fact, I'm glad you've embraced stats finally. What? <laughs> That's a ridiculous statement. I, I did am... a, I did a switcheroo on you. Can you imagine me from 2015? The way our 2014. When oh, you started, you wouldn't even acknowledge XG. XG no. was something you wouldn't had no use for. No use for it, none whatsoever. And then when Eddie and Ketia struggles, here comes JJ with a with the Torah, that a <laughs> scroll that he lays down in front of him. <laughs> Ken Early did it, and I read it, and I regurgitated it. So well, I did the same thing with Aaron Lerner. That's so there the, you go. That's the different thing. Um, uh, by the way, you could say uh, since 2016, everyone's been able to. Enjoy my growth as a person. <laughs> oh, oh. Uh, let's see. A couple other things um, from over the weekend in the Premier League I wanted to mention. So Villa pull off a dramatic win over Burnley to keep pace. Wolves smash Everton. Uh, Bournemouth lose to Spurs, but actually still look pretty good. So I, I mentioned all of those teams there for a reason. Because we're crossing the halfway point of the season now. Everyone's at either 19 or 20 games played. Who's been the Premier League's most pleasant surprise to you? Hmm. That is a great question. I think... Oh. I'll give you a couple. Okay, can I, can I say, even though they're not like... They're probably going to go down. Or there's a real good chance they'll go down. Mm-hmm. I've enjoyed Luton. I, okay. I, I, they've been... Uh, surprise! Uh, Gary, what a job Gary O'Neill is doing. I mean, that that's the refrain after this weekend for sure. Um, considering what they did to Everton, um, I'll say this, and I, you mentioned Everton there. Dwight, do you know what, Dwight McNeil? I'll say a man. Um, Dwight McNeil, I from what I've seen, has surprised me. When they signed him, I thought, oh, jeez, this is real bargain basement hunting uh, from Everton. But he, I, he surprised me. I know Everton got smashed. I mean, that was really bad over the weekend. I could have, it was 3 0, could have been worse. They're but, not going to be able to win every weekend. We can forget about that. And I'll say this about them. If you told us before the season that this Everton side was going to be dealt a 10 point penalty for a breach of financial fair play rules, JJ, we would have said, oh my God, forget. I mean, championship, here we come. Forget it. Like, 
I know they're still in the relegation they're race. About, uh, they're like a point above or something. But I, I genuinely believe on form of how they've played, I really think they're going to be okay. And and I think that for me, that has been one of the biggest surprises of the season. And, and look, call it an excuse making, but James Tarkovsky afterward, uh, after their game against Wolves, he said, um, quote, of course, the run has been draining, but you'd expect most teams to be feeling the same. The two games before this, Spurs and City, are two of the most demanding physically. A lot of time out of possession, a lot of distance covered, and a lot of sprints. Maybe that took uh, took it out of the legs a bit. I mean, look, at, at this time of year, everyone is tired, but I think what he says there is true. Tottenham and, our, and City are probably two particularly difficult teams to play against. Um, and... I think Everton expelled a ton of energy to just get themselves in this position where they could be relatively okay. Yeah. So they're going to have, I think they are going to have games like this. Um, so they've been a surprise to me and Bournemouth, even in their defeat to Spurs, that scoreline was, that was not an entirely like accurate to how the game went scoreline. Um, Tottenham went up a goal early and then Bournemouth for the remainder of the first half were definitively the better team and Tottenham were just desperate to get to the locker room with that lead still intact and in so many other games this season it's followed a pattern where Tottenham give that lead up and wind up losing now they hung on Bournemouth Solanke was just off it a little bit their finishing just wasn't quite good enough but the chances were just one after another after another and then Tottenham kind of rebounded as Bournemouth faded a little bit and added a couple more by the way we're talking about good passes LaCelso's assist was absolutely gorgeous one of the one of the assists of the season, I think, so far. Amazing like, how he was just cast off by so many yeah. people, including sport, Spurs supporters. I was just not, he's not fit. It was a waste of money, blah, blah, blah. Quality, quality. Yeah. And I think you saw too on the Tottenham side, like, again, you don't want to always use these things as excuses, but God, it, injuries matter. They just do. Everyone's got him. I know that that's true, but like seeing Bentoncourt back in the side, they're a different team. <laughs> they're a different team when he plays. That first goal, that's him. I know the pass is a little bit ill-advised from Neto, uh, Bournemouth's keeper, but like Bentoncourt is just perfect. He's so suited for that. Pounces on it immediately, makes the right pass, and then boom, Tottenham are in. Like they, this stuff matters. And again, I know teams have them, but the, the degree to which teams who gets hurt at what position, that stuff does make a difference. And seeing him back in the side way earlier than expected, it's it's huge. Um, but back to Bournemouth, they, they would be one of mine. I mean, after that six-one loss to City. We kind of thought, okay, well, adios. But no, I mean, they they've been great. Even in this defeat to Tottenham, they were impressive. Um, they'd be one of my surprises as well. So there you go. I'll tell you what. Let's go ahead. We'll take a break. We got a, a little bit of a new game coming back from this uh, from the break. So we'll do that. Um, JJ, also, you had some story. I think that you or something that you mentioned at the start of the show. Uh, you care not. It's it's a it's a a clarification. But you don't. Oh know. yeah yeah yeah. JJ has to de- so JJ will defend himself from something um when we come back. No, I will clarify. I think my I think my words were misconstrued. Oh boy. Actually, I I do care actually. I'm curious where this is headed. More caught offside still to come. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner 3 days in a row, dreaming of something better? Well, hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Oh, back now. Caught offside. Um, we're back, of course, from the from the holiday season. The festive period, I guess, is now officially over. We're past New Year's. No, uh, you're actually wrong. There's four oh. more days of, of Christmas if you're following the Christian calendar. So there you go. Um, I saw. Why a funny... would you do that, though? <laughs> Who me? <laughs> Just anyone. <laughs> um, no, I mean people are like it's January second. All right, the, the the country's gone back to work. The, the no country, feeling, this no country. No one's feeling festive anymore. There's four more days in 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 an Irish Christmas right now. Let me tell you. Oh, well, so. tell that to your boss. All right. Um, but w- looking back now on the festive period, JJ, I saw there was a funny meme going around on Christmas that I sent to you, where a lot of people, I'm sure, saw this in different contexts. But it's it's two parents laughing hysterically at a kid who's just opened an awful present, and then you can superimpose in there whatever you want that awful present to be. And I saw it went viral that someone put in a, a Nicholas Jackson Chelsea jersey, which is <laughs> which is mean, probably unfair, but also, I mean, look, it's it's a little bit funny. What would what would that jersey be for you that would have you just in like utter hysterics with your parents? I think right now it might be if, if you got it, if you opened a present, if you went down to the tree in your little Liverpool pajamas and opened up a Darwin Nunez present, I think you'd have that same reaction. No, right now. I wouldn't. Uh, probably Balotelli. Uh, oh, really? A Balotelli Liverpool jersey. Although now it's got kind of a kitsch camp value about it. <laughs> like, uh, like if you if you own an Angel Di Maria Man United jersey, then treasure that. Absolutely treasure. You that. can't wear that. Yeah, you can. Absolutely, <laughs> you can't you can. wear you that. Should rock that. You should always be. Ironic. He hated his time there. Famously, yeah, always be ironic. Yeah, yeah. It's like if I if I deliberately got a, a you know those those companies in in the Far East and uh, well, let, put it this way, they make uh, they remake a lot of jerseys, uh-huh. and uh, they shouldn't be, but they are. Uh, if I got a El Hajj Diouf Liverpool jersey. That yeah. would be that would be a fairly ironic move. Right. So. Hey guys, check out my Vincent Janssen Spurs jersey. <laughs> Look at my cool Vlad Kirakesh kit. Yeah, <laughs> who would that, who would that be for the U.S.? I think from our listeners, I think just based on like the, oh. the sentiment of the general public, if 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 our listeners as a thing opened up an Aaron Long USMNT jersey on Christmas Day, I think they'd get that reaction. I honestly think if you're going for full value, it would have to be mixed discarude. <laughs> the answer to all our problems for like 25 minutes. Yeah. You're going to the World Cup mix. Guess who isn't? Landon Donovan. Yeah. What? Are you serious? Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. Is mixed dis- Is he the the David Regis of his era? <laughs> Yeah. Remember we interviewed Mix Discarude. Yeah, I liked him. Yeah, I liked was, him as a player too. He was just well, yeah. He was just moving into his apartment in New York. In New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I like that guy. Yeah. Good for him. Um <laughs> good for him. 
<laughs> well done on your move. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, one other note on this, actually, the, the big gift. So we went for it this year and we think Jack's old enough. So we, we got a Nintendo Switch for him. Whoa. We went for it in a big way, which, oh. by the way, I have been enjoying. But we only have one game. You, you only have to check in with him when he's when he's 18. <laughs> Literally just let we, we only we only have Mario Kart. Oh, and, what? What do you mean you but, only have Mario I'm saying, Kart? So that's the, the only, greatest game I know. ever made. Well, and the funny thing about it is, so it's my seven-year-old son playing against my four-year-old son. Oh, geez. Jack and Luke are playing each other in Mario Kart. Luke doesn't, and play. like, there's well, he does. He's trying to, but that's the thing is like that game, like you just said, that game more than almost. I didn't even own a Nintendo. Super Nintendo, Nintendo. I never even had those, and yet I'm an expert in Mario. Like every, it's just an indelible part. If you're between the ages of like 30 to 45, Mario Kart is just a huge part of your childhood. And there's something that happens in your brain, JJ, when you're watching a four year old oh. play it against a seven year old, where you lose you lose sense of reality and you go you go crazy because they don't know what they're doing. And I'm like I'm sitting there, and it's like taking all my effort to be like, you got three f- red shells, use them. You've been sitting there with three red shells for the last two and a half laps. Use the f-ing things. Like, but the feeling. You go crazy. The absolute feeling of resentment and hatred when someone whack, when you're flying and someone whacks you and takes you out with a shell. Yeah. You want to put the controller down and pummel them. It is yeah. so hard to take. Or I remember with the 64. By the way, the most underrated con- uh, games console was the 64. It was it was amazing. You had, you had, oh, but you only needed two games. GoldenEye. GoldenEye and uh, Mario. Mario. Yeah. And you you were done. Um, But I remember I get so frustrated. I go off the side. I get shot. I end up off the side and I'd be battering into the sides for like (laughs) what seemed like an eternity before I got on. And then I'd finish like fourth and I would just, oh my God, I would freak out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh my God. So much. Watching a kid mishandle like valuable question marks. It just makes you, it's like, I can't watch. Like I have to leave the room. It just makes me so uncomfortable. I'm like yelling at them. Um, all right, JJ, we've got a, a little bit, a quick, quick kind of new fun thing here. Whoa. Oh, oh, oh my God. You have to defend yourself. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I, I, there's a, there's the start of Monty Python. Uh, I can't remember which one, but it's fit. It's goldfish in a tank and they're going by each other and they're going, good morning, morning. And they come back the other side. And they say, morning, good morning. As like as if they haven't said it already because they right. have short memories. Uh-huh. That's you. Yeah. Um, I I made some comments. We were talking about the atmosphere at Anfield. Claps. I mean, again yesterday, trying to pump the crowd up in that main stand behind him. Yeah, I saw that. Rolled my eyes um, at it. <laughs> we were ta- and we were talking about generally uh, crowd atmospheres across the Premier League and particularly at the bigger clubs. Your Arsenal's, your Man United's, your Tottenham's. Um, I said as an example that first of all, the principle I have is that you should populate or clubs should endeavor to populate those stands with people from the local area, with people from Liverpool, from East London, from wherever, from Ipswich, from Norwich. That's where the atmosphere comes from. Those are the people that built the club. You can be in a place in New York City, in a bar, and this club can mean more than anything to you, but you should not have priority in any way in getting a ticket to these games. Because, and I said, if you come from South Korea, Taiwan, 
Johannesburg, New York, anywhere. It's not, you're not, you're just not from that area. It's, the, it's really the only place that I'm kind of like, Ooh. not an internet. I'm not yeah. an, I'm not an internationalist about things like this. If you can get a ticket, great. But there are far too many, clearly, people getting tickets, going to games and just watching. And some of them are even from England and Ireland. What I said, though, was, again, I mentioned Wisconsin. I said, like, Stacy and Brian from Wisconsin or something yeah. like that. And people think I'm taking shots at, like, the... Middle America. Like, middle America. I'm not. I'm really not. What I was doing was, Stacy and Brian is a name I can just throw out there as a tourist who go to a game who might affect the atmosphere. Whereas if I try to make up an African or an Asian name, there's a chance I create an incident. And I would be being blasé and maybe xenophobic. So I didn't. I went for the easy target in terms of names. I love the Midwest. I love the center of this country. And they, and their football fandom, their sports fandom in general is fantastic. I wasn't taking a pop at them. I wasn't being a, a coastal elite. I wasn't being a... I understand people getting their back up a little bit because our audience is this. It's Americans yeah, who love the Premier League. That's who I listens know, to this oh, I, podcast. I know, and I, I, I really believe that you can be in the supporters club in Georgia for Liverpool or, or, or any place in this country, and this can mean the world to you. It can mean everything, and you live or die with your team. Of course I believe that. I wouldn't be hosting that podcast otherwise. I totally believe that. But when it comes to tickets, and I include myself in this, something has to be done. And it, you shouldn't be just able to rock into the stadium coming from anywhere. The priority. Ah, mm. The priority. I don't should, know. I don't the know. The priority should be the people in the locality. I, they are the ones that create the atmosphere. If I know, and I do know this because I follow him on Twitter, but there's a guy in London who, for whatever reason, adopted the Phillies. And he's an obsessive. He's opened a bar. Uh, yeah. And like, or I don't know if he opened it, but there's this bar called Passionk Ave, which is a famous street in Philly. That it's a bar in, in London, and he's there. He watches every Phillies game. He's prominent on like I know that there's people out there who have chosen at weird hours of the day to invest time and money and yeah. love and emotion. Like sure, that guy, if he wants to come to Philadelphia and be a part of of the of Phillies environment and experience, he should be able to. He's he's earned the right. He. Not arguing that. What I'm saying is we're getting to a tipping point. Look at Old Trafford. Look at the bottom four rows in Old Trafford. Like, it for maybe the last 15 years, tourists, people with cameras. Like, I'm, I, I'm, I'm just saying, you can't have it both ways. Um, And now that's not to say a Liverpool fan from, you know, the world can't go into Anfield and just sit there quietly and not be a loud supporter. I, I just think clubs are so indelibly linked to their communities. I'm not saying that someone from a foreign country can't go and watch them. Of course they can. Absolutely. But the priority must be given to those local people. And you talk to a lot of supporters groups right now, and that's not the case. They're either priced out or they can't get tickets at all. That's not right. I just want to apologize on JJ's behalf to everyone oh, from the state Christ. of Wisconsin, the fine state of Wisconsin, which I've been to, loved, cheese curds and all. Um, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Reducing them. But I they were, Green, no, no, no. They were great. I love I have them. a Green Bay Packers bar just down the street from me. The drum what does that shop. Mean? So? So, and I go and I, and I, you I, go. And I'm beloved there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. I, re I resent the idea that when I went to White Hart Lane, 
for Tottenham Fulham. I, I in some way detracted from the atmosphere. Not, not what I I'm saying. saying. I cheered. Not, not what I'm saying. Not what I'm saying necessarily. But I, I think if there was um, an Andrew from N17 that couldn't get a ticket because you were there, that's not right. Hmm. That's what this I is a tricky one. This is a tricky tough, one. Tough one. And I know I'm going to get even more backlash now. Yeah, I don't know if this was if this was an apology of sorts. I don't know if it came off that way. I think didn't go you, well. I think it was a double down. Did quite frankly, well. coastal elite. There he is, everyone. Um, all right, so JJ, new new fun activity here. I don't know. Well, we, the, the, fun activity. Listen, they'll decide whether it's fun or not. Yeah, it's called under pressure. All right. Oh, like that. Like yeah, that. yeah, it's right. a great one. So it's it's very simple. Um, I'm just going to list two players or managers or teams, etc., and you have to tell me which one is under more pressure. That's easy. all it is. Love it. Love Very it. easy. Um, all right. This first, this first one is hard. I think. I don't think uh, it's hard. Okay. Eric Tenhog or Eddie Howe. Under the pressure. I, I'm going to go with Ten Hag. Uh, How we understand is well liked by Amanda Stavely and those who are day to day running. Uh, Newcastle United, the main uh, benefactors of the club, the government of Saudi Arabia, do not seem at this current moment massively bothered by how Newcastle are doing. Or we don't know. They don't. They don't seem to be anyway. And I think he's he's in a safer position. He can point to the massive injuries they've had. I know lots of clubs can, but he can point to that. Yeah. I think. I think he's safer uh, with those above him. What's changed for Eric Ten Hag is the ownership of Manchester United. So the 25% ownership uh, of Manchester United, that <laughs> the quarter they've decided that the Glazers are selling is the football operations department, which yeah. is just genius by them. We haven't discussed how mad that is. And Sir Jim Radcliffe, and um, he's come in with uh, with his with his group, and so they're not tied to Ten Hag. They haven't signed Ten Hag, and they're supposed to be seen as a as a, a brush that sweeps all the bad stuff away. These are the guys who are going to change the team around on the field, and they may have less patience for Ten Hag than uh, the Saudis. And well. I should say Amanda Stavely and the Rubin brothers have for Eddie Howe. That's how I see that one. Can so we, Eric Ten Hag. You're, it's the correct answer. You're right. That actually is not all that difficult. I, I think Howe has some goodwill. He can ride the injury excuse, all that stuff. It's been bad. Losses to Luton, um, Forrest, Everton, Bournemouth. Like It's not good. But can we talk for a sec about Ten Hag? And for however bad you think the situation at Manchester United currently is, can we just discuss for a moment how close it is to being exponentially worse? So just like looking through some of their games this season, late winner against Villa, stoppage time winner versus Fulham, two from a goal down, two stoppage time goals to come back and beat Brentford. United have won 10 games in the league this season, JJ. Nine, nine of the 10 wins have been by a single goal. Their 3-0 win over Everton is their only win in the Premier League that was by more than one goal. And they've never, they've hardly looked good in a single game. Right. Wolves, like we've gone over. Every game is tense. Every game feels like what? they need either like a stroke of luck to win it. They're not going to punish anyone or dominate anyone out of the game. They got a minus five goal differential. 
That's worse than 17th place Everton. It's worse than 16th place Brentford. I mean, I saw Mark Ogden writing about this. The David Moyes tenure at United is is like that's held up as the disaster. Like that's the manager gone wrong for the club. That's the poster boy of it. This right now, Ten Hag is worse through these first 20 games than Moyes was during that disastrous season at Old Trafford. And like the thing that worries me for Ten Hag, there's a clip from the Nottingham Forest match where you can see the Nottingham Forest players huddling up. And I think it's Morgan Gibbs White that you can see saying to his teammates, look at their faces. They don't want to be here. Wow. And like whether or not that's true, like whether or not that is how United players feel, no one knows. That may not be how they feel, but that's that's irrelevant. Just the mere fact that other clubs think that it shows that like the intimidation factor of Manchester United gone. No one's afraid of them. That's Nottingham Forest saying that. Look at their faces. They don't want to be here. You know, like. And so it proved. I mean, it was. Yeah. Yeah. It was. What What did we say on the last pod? I said this is a trap game for them coming you off. Sure, yeah, you did. And I, I joked that their their Villa win will surely be the win that spurs them on to bigger and better things. I mean, it's this is a pattern now. It's all season. You can't yeah. trust any of these wins. It doesn't yeah. – they, they don't the, spur on anything. The Mirror reporting that uh, Sir Jim Ratcliffe – they call him Big Jim, so a lot of podcasts are calling him Sir Big Jim Ratcliffe. Um, he's <laughs> Not clunky. To, no, he's gone to Anfield for – Anfield? He's gone to Old Trafford for showdown talks with – ETH. That's good. That's what you want. Uh, all right, JJ. So we, Ten Hag is the answer there. Next one. Uh, more pressure, Manchester City or Bayern Munich? An easy one for me, Andrew. Uh, Bayern Munich are trailing in the Bundesliga to a former player in his first job at a tiny club compared to them called Bayer Leverkusen. They're expected to win every season. They sacked one of Germany's brightest footballing minds to get in one of Germany's previously thought of brightest footballing minds in Thomas Tuchel. Um, Manchester City have just won a treble. They've just won a World Club Cup. Uh, City are playing with... City can have a down... And they're still in the race for the Premier League. City could rip off 14 and still win the Premier League. Mm -hmm. The pressure is very much on Bayern Munich right now. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. Um, I, like you said, I think the trouble, like there's, there's enough leeway there. Um, and like the other thing too, rightly or wrongly, I just think the competition that city are up against is viewed to be of a higher level than what Bayern are facing in the Bundesliga. And Bayern's problem last season was what they didn't, they didn't suitably replace the goals that they were missing when Lewandowski left. Well, they went out and got Kane and he's been the best striker in Europe. So what now? Like, what's the excuse now? So yeah, I, I, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it- and it is jarring and annoying for FC Hollywood to have somebody like Leverkusen playing this brilliant brand of football while they're toiling and losing games. And um, yeah, so pressure's definitely on there. Okay. Next one. I actually think this one is really easy too, but I'll be curious what you say. More pressure, Gabriel Jesus or Rasmus Hoyland? Under pressure. <laughs> Center forward at Manchester United, a new one, should always have pressure. There has been huge pressure on Rasmus Hoyland, but Gabriel Jesus has way more pressure as he's he's carrying a forward line that's supposed to be trying to win a title after coming narrow, uh, coming close enough to one last season. It's Gabriel Jesus. He has the reputation. He has the um, the gravitas. The, Rasmus Hoyland has not been good, but 
it's not really been his fault. By the way, he's yeah. he he's not been good, but he in the league, he was yeah, he did all, like if we include goals. the Champions League, yeah. he has been. And that's been and that was a glorious championship Champions League uh, group stage for United, obviously. Um, no, it's 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 Gabriel Jesus, a hundred thousand percent. Agreed. All right, uh, two more, uh, more pressure. JJ Aston Villa or Girona. Under the pressure. Um, my answer to this is neither are under any real pressure, but I think that expectations have been raised at Aston Villa. Like Girona, there's City Football Group. You can add in all of that. They're not expected to come anywhere near winning a league. There's not the pressure. They are playing with house money. Everything they do till the end of the season right now is 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 amazing. It's been great. Aston Villa expectations have been raised, and Villa have a massive fan base. We don't see them as a huge club, but they are. They were European Cup winners in 1982. They, the relegation definitely took the, the, the kind of gloss off the club. But they're a serious, serious football club. And like I said, you know, there were a lot of really disappointed Villa fans over Christmas, particularly online after dropping, after being 2-0 up at Old Trafford and losing 3-2. There is pressure for Villa if not to win the Premier League, but to maintain their there or thereabouts. Mm-hmm. I and agree. That, and that is a pressure. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Um, this should be called under agreement. We haven't we haven't diverged at all. No, I know. Because like the thing with Villa, and look, I don't see them as a team that's going to go on and win the title, but like there is an element of we better, we better capitalize on this moment. Absolutely. Yeah. Because like... Like if they don't, if they fall out of top four or Champions League places, like are they going to be able to keep Douglas Louise? Even if they qualify for the Champions League, Louise, you know, I haven't heard much about Ollie Watkins, but he's a young striker. Like a lot of teams are going to want a guy like that. Are they going to keep? The, by the way, even the manager, like any any high profile job that opens around the world, Unai Emery is going to be considered for. He's going to be a candidate for it. Um, so I I, I think that there's. They're in a moment right now that they they've got to capitalize on it because it could be cu- could be tough to sustain. There's a winning window. This this season is one of those anomalies. And and look, we know City because of their financial firepower are probably going to be there again, unless there's some kind of Premier League charges against them that are actually acted upon. Mm-hmm. But we can expect that. We can expect Newcastle to get better. Just money does buy success, and um, eventually. And so the winning window is open. Can they jump through the window? One more, with an American American touch to this one, JJ. Oh, uh, this was this was by your uh, your request, uh, Ricardo Pepe or Faller and Balogun. Under pressure. Um, for me, for me, for me, uh, it's um, the pressures on Balogun by a country mile, absolute country mile. Um, he is. He was a surprise that he is a a player uh, for the for the U.S. men's national team. It was a very welcome surprise. He was instantly installed by everyone, including us, as well. Now the center forward, it's his to lose. And yet, if you look at their records across the two the 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 current league seasons right now, um, Pepe has. In the 23-24 season, four goals and an assist 
He hasn't started a game yet. Those are all as introductions. He has not started a game in the Eredivisie for PSV. Yeah. Balogun, 14 matches, four goals, three assists. Um, now he's he's involved 35% of the time in, in, in when Monaco score goals, but Pepe is almost starting from a base where some people liked him. Uh a lot of people were like, ah, I'm an MLS striker, let's see what he'd do in Europe. Didn't go well for him for him in Germany. Uh the obviously the GM at PSV is an American. He's been brought in, scored a big goal in the Champions League for them. He is not a regular, he's not a guaranteed starter in a team that is absolutely flying. But for me, for me, he's got less to prove. Balogun has been just universally promoted automatically to center forward. And now he's got to stay there. And I think Pepe is under less pressure. Domestically, their goals per 90 this season. Balogun is 0.40. Ricardo Pepe's goals per 90, JJ, is 1.77. Look, that's the point. And, and PSV, it's hard to get into that team, clearly. Yeah. But PSV sees something in him. And Balogun's got his big move. He had he had the success, the goals last season. He's got his move to a, a size of a side of some stature in France in Monaco. There's way more pressure on him to perform. Can I just say, by the way, Concacaf having a having a bit of a moment right now. So you had over the weekend for Fulham alone, you had Raúl Jiménez and Bobby De Cordova Reed score. De Cordova Reed of Jamaica also Leon Bailey scored. Over the weekend, also yeah. of Jamaica. Um, Pulisic scored in his last game for AC Milan. Um, what am I missing here? You can oh. make an you can make an argument, by the way. Sorry to cut across yeah, yeah. it, but you can make an argument that who's in line to take Canada's position as the as uh, you know, as a an, a team that can attack the US and Mexico as that that other really good side in CONCACAF? Jamaica. Definitely. I, I really feel that. Yeah, totally agree. You know, even too, I was reading, I feel like we need to check in with somebody from Italy because we've kind of forgotten about him a little bit with like Musa and Pulisic over at AC Milan and what they've been doing. But some of the stuff I've been reading lately about Weston McKinney and the progress that he's been making at Juventus this season, he's he's gone from a player who had kind of fallen out of favor there that they didn't think they had much use for to beloved, yeah. to a guy who has just like completely found a new level and has been flying for them. Uh, maybe we need to check in with somebody in Italy to hear how how he's coming along there because it sounds like it's been it's been a pretty successful season for him. We we could go in the league. Mm, yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe that's a new a new thing to keep your eye out for. So there you go, there you go, everybody. Um, let's see. Before we get out on this pod today, there's a couple other um items that are important worth mentioning. Wayne Rooney out at Birmingham City didn't make it to the January transfer window. My Yikes. God. I mean, look, when you inherit a team that is, they were sixth, I think, yeah. and 13 weeks later, you're 20th, you can't be shocked by the sack. And from playoff race to relegation race, in that amount of time, it's usually going to get you fired. Um, in Rooney's statement, he said, I would like to thank Tom Wagner, Tom Brady, and Gary Cook for the opportunity. Tom to- Brady? 
for the opportunity to manage Birmingham City FC and the support they all gave me during my short period with the club. Football is a results business, and I recognize they have not been at the level I wanted them to be. However, time is the most precious commodity a manager requires, and I do not believe 13 weeks was sufficient to oversee the changes that were needed. Personally, it will take me some time to get over this setback. I've been involved in professional football as either a player or manager since I was 16. Now I plan to take some time with my family as I prepare for the next opportunity in my journey as a manager. Um, yeah, I don't know what happens to him now. Like this is a few different jobs of nothing particularly positive to show for it. Uh, little bits of positivity here and there until this one, which was all negative. I mean, like this guy, like he said there, since he was 16, this is he's 38. That's 22 years in football under the spotlight for him. I mean, he was a superstar when he appeared at 16 years old um, for Everton. Like he he probably needs to take a breath here and take a minute, take the rest of this season, enjoy life a little. Um, but it seems like this this one really impacted him. Sure, but and I do feel sorry for him, but I, I also really feel sorry for John Eustace. Yeah. I mean, like he got this club to, uh, what was it, a, a record points tally or their best points tally since 2016. Um, and a new ownership comes in. American ownership is getting absolutely hammered for this decision. Houston had them in what? Sixth or so. Or, I, I, they were six when uh, Rooney took over. Yeah. Why is he being sacked? Like I, I, the appointment seemed weird at the time. Now I know Rooney was, was uh, really anxious to get back into to management in England, but um, yeah, I, it's a tough club. There's big expectations there, and um, it just didn't seem like the right job. And like, Rooney's managed. Derby and Birmingham now, and, and and he's not even forty. And DC United. Well, I'm talking about massive clubs in England, like big, wow. big clubs. Um, it just feels like what, these managers don't do an apprenticeship anymore. So well, many of them does does DC United not count as that? It, it would count if it, it was earlier in his career. If it was the first thing he did, he's in his mid thirties when he did I mean, it. He, he, he was unlucky at Derby with the points deductions. Generally, very positive view of him. I don't know. It's interesting. This like Lampard, Gerard, Rooney, trio of, of yeah, of like really high profile players turned managers hasn't worked out. Has not gone well. Has not know. gone well. I don't and know if that's you... coincidence or if there's something about being an elite player that doesn't always lend itself to being an elite coach. If we were to throw in. If we were to throw it, let's let's do it just quickly. So of the like the 2006 era, no, we'll go back a bit for 2004 era England, you know that that golden generation. Saul Campbell has been a manager, not hasn't gone well. Paul Scholes, a manager, hasn't gone well. Gerard, Premier League title with Rangers aside, it's it's going terribly. Apparently, he's doing really badly in Saudi Arabia right now. That's that's not why you go there. You go there to do what? Yeah, did I read that he was asking for they need more spending? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, we we did well, Stephen, we do have the resources. Um we can back you. Uh <laughs> Lampard, not well. Um, and now Rooney. You want to even throw in like Phil Neville? Oh yeah, but on a, on a couple levels, like so many levels. Like, yeah. First with the English women and then um kind of everything after that. He but he fails upward. He barely 
he barely lost his job as Inter-Miami coach. And the next thing, he's on the sidelines with Canada as assistant manager. And now he's the Portland manager. How? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, look, th- this trend is, I don't, it's not like, it's not airtight. Like Zidane has succeeded as a manager. He's one of the most elite players of all time. So you do see some that, that do manage to do it. But I don't know. I, I've always felt that there's a thing about elite players that does not make it easy for them to be elite managers. I feel, I, I sometimes feel like there's things that just come so naturally to them that it's hard yeah. for them to impart that knowledge because it's so innate within them. Whereas some of these other guys that like weren't, weren't nearly of that quality. Um, yeah. Like I, I, I know I spoke about him on the live pod before, but like Kieran McKenna, you know, <clears throat> his career was cut short as a young man. And so I guess they ha- you have to necessity being the mother of invention you have to be able to to pivot and and you take your coaching i guess you take your coaching much more seriously if you have no safety net of the millions you've accrued maybe a, and, and i'm not saying like, i don't Rooney's, know that might be unfair i don't know that that might be unfair because rooney actually seems to have thought about the game fairly deeply he did a column in the, in the times um during the period after he was maybe even jordan while he was derby manager so seemed like he thought fairly deep about the game but anyway here we are yeah. Uh, and then finally, JJ, as it is January 2nd, the January window is open. Um, so, I mean, we're not going to do a full breakdown now, but like any any names that you're particularly intrigued by? Not really. I haven't thought about it. Oh. Not, not yet. There you um, have it. <laughs> I mean, look, I'll give you the honestly, obvious. Honestly, I'll, I'll tell you what happens to me. I see a rumor and I decide whether it fits or not. For me, I, I don't make them up. Um, I don't know that these will materialize in January because they're so big. Look, obviously, as long as Mbappe's contract is about to expire, he's everyone's going to be looking at him. Um, this this rumor of, you know, it's always been this foregone conclusion of Real Madrid, Real Madrid, this growing rumor of Liverpool. Um, normally, I would disregard it. But because like it just like you've always said, that's just not generally the way that they do business. But I just can't get. I can't get over the fact of the Saudis are there's a Brinks truck waiting outside of Anfield for Salah. And if Liverpool are serious about wanting to keep pace with City, then they have to be serious about replacing Salah with Mbappe. Whether or not Mbappe wants to do it, that's a whole nother thing. But Liverpool, I think, would be crazy knowing the money that they're about to get. I think they'd be crazy to not not really make a, a full push for this and try to make this work. And I think that there's an appeal to be made to Mbappe. Like, I know he's a, a lifelong Real Madrid fan, but like, I think you can appeal to him and say, like, you need to be playing in the best league in the world. If you want to be winning Ballon d'Ors and you want to take your global popularity to the next level, then this is where you do it. Like, Messi and Ronaldo being in the same league took their greatness and their popularity to extreme levels. And I think if he's not... You can say to him, if you're not in the same league as Erling Holland, and he's flying in a league that's more popular and perceived to be more difficult than La Liga, then he's always going to have an upper hand on you. You got to be here. This is where this is where the action is. Uh, that's if I'm John Henry or whoever, I'm I'm making that kind of appeal to him, challenging his his ego, kind of. Um, uh, maybe they maybe they will. I just think wages wise, it it doesn't work. It doesn't fit. Um. And then there's also rumors, JJ, of uh, of the Todd father prepared to go all in to get Victor Osiman from Napoli. 
who just signed a contract with them. So but he that, needs to get rid of Connor Gallagher to make that 100%, happen. 100%, at least. Start with that. Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest. Like, the they're, they're not going to do it, but, like, Arsenal are the ones how banging Pochettino, down that, how down that Poch- door. How did Pochettino not make it into our under-pressure category? Yeah, I guess that's a fair one. Yeah. I don't know. I, anyway, no, uh, now, now that you mentioned it, I am curious where Connor Gallagher goes and – well, look, if they're, I don't know that that um, Chelsea be able to be with all their financial. I don't know how they can be in on a guy who's going to cost over a hundred million. Um, but if they are, then get ready for the sell-off to begin now. So yeah, Connor Gallagher. My guess is he might be gone in this window, and it sounds like he might be gone to Tottenham, which is fascinating to see Chelsea give away one of their top two or three best players to a London rival. Um, that's very interesting to me. But if that's laying a groundwork to make a play for Osiman, then Gallagher will be the first of many. If you're any Chelsea Academy player of any significance, I would be on alert that your future may be elsewhere. Osiman and Kunku. Nicholas well, not Jackson. in Kunku. Nicholas Jackson. <laughs> the forward line we all wanted. Oh, oh I thought you meant guys who, are, who should be worried. Yeah. And Kunku and Osiman? I'm, I'm watching that. You you are just you are that guy. You are, you'll wrong? always be that guy. I'm Throw as many that. good players together and see what happens. And, and by the way, how, how uh, percentage wise, how often am I right? You were very wrong about PSG. Very wrong, and you won't accept it. Made it to a final, Champions League final. Mm-hmm. Couldn't stay healthy. Who knows what could have been? That's it. That's could, it. Who knows what could have been? All right, I need a cup of tea. So go get one, all right? This has been a joy. I've enjoyed this immensely. Again, apologies to everyone in Wisconsin. JJ didn't mean it, although he oh, kind of did geez. based on his explanation. Um, like we said, get your uh, get your messages in either on the Reddit thread or at CO Soccer Pod, caught offside pod at gmail.com. There's plenty of we ways. Gotta, we got to start amping the Discord as well. I got to check in with Johnny oh, Discord geez. and see where yeah. we're at. Yeah, but a big Thursday 2024 mailbag pod. We're going to go through all your questions and comments for the upcoming year in soccer. Uh, next week, the store will be officially raring to go. So get your get your T-shirts and be on the lookout. I am I guess. the store. <laughs> How dare you? Uh, and I'm going to put the um, in the show notes uh, when you when you go to click on the podcast, you'll see a link to the um, the sports podcast group's best football podcast award. So you can and the store, put the store in there too. What are you doing? You, you got to send me a link. I don't ah, You're pathetic. I enjoyed this. I always do. We'll be back later this week with a special 2024 mailbag pod. JJ to you. I say, I look forward to your growth this year. I'll see you. You've been listening to the caught offside soccer podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 